Welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. My name is Ben Standing, and yes, I do cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Excited to be back with you guys for another edition of the podcast. We are less than one week away from the start of training camp in Richmond. I, I will be there for The Athletic, and um, it's coming. There's nothing I can do to stop it, even if I wanted to. Uh, so we're going to get ready and we're going to help you guys get prepped for training camp with two interviews here. First off, uh, I spoke back during the earlier part of the offseason program with Washington's second round pick offensive tackle Sam Cosme. We talked about um, his growth into an NFL draft pick, uh, getting adjusted to uh, professional life, living in Ashburn and kind of his journey along the way uh, to becoming uh, a really interesting prospect. And obviously it's possible he's the, he's the opening day starting right tackle. He'll, be, he'll battle with Cornelius Lucas. So we'll get into all that here with Sam Cosme. In addition to that, you know, I, I don't typically have fans, I guess you could say, on the podcast. But I made an exception here because I've got some guys who are starting their own podcast and they are fans of the team and they're going to the the point for their podcast is to express their frustration with the with with uh, the ownership Dan Snyder and specifically tied in to the thing that bonds the three of them together and that is the television show Survivor Uh, they have started a new podcast called Surviving Snyder Um, the 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 trio Dalton Ross uh, who's written more about Survivor than anybody I know he's uh, editor-at-large for Entertainment Weekly, and along with two former contestants of the show, Rick Devins and Brendan Shapiro. I was on their podcast the other day, which just launched, and I wanted to have them on. And we, we, yes, we talk for a smidge about Survivor, but mostly it's from trying to, you know, I'm obviously talking about what I think of the team and getting the fan perspective as well of, of what's going on here. Obviously, people seem to be optimistic, but to what degree? And what what's realistic expectations for this team? What do we think about Fitzpatrick, other concerns, and so on? So a really fun conversation there. So I think you guys will like both of those chats here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Of course, if you missed any of my other previous episodes, you can, of course, find those on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else. You do your podcasting. I spoke earlier this week with Aaron Schatz, um, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, deep dive into the Washington football team from sort of the analytics perspective. Hopefully you guys will check that out. And, you know, look, I know everybody's been busy during the summer, so if you've missed any of the other interviews, including my one-on-one with Ron Rivera, uh, please go check that out. And, of course, make sure you check, you, you're aware of what's going on over at The Athletic. We have a new fan survey out today, and that's kind of the jumping off point, I guess I should have said, from my conversation with Dalton, Brendan, and Rick. Uh, we kind of went through some of those questions, um, so you'll you'll have a, a feel for that. And hope you can read the rest of the um, the survey on the website. If you haven't yet t- subscribed to The Athletic, obviously, I encourage you to do so um, as well. well. We'll talk more about that in a, in a minute. Um, so I want to get into a couple quick things here before we get to um, all the interviews. Um, you know, I, I've been thinking about, as I'm sure to some degree fans have as well, but I've been thinking about storylines going into training camp. Obviously, you know, there's the quarterback situation. What do we make of Ryan Fitzpatrick? And is there really going to be a quarterback 
competition. What about some of the other additions like a William Jackson or a Curtis Samuel? You know, how does Jamin Davis fit in? You know, and really is this how you know how good is this is this team? Um one aspect that's gonna go a long way, of course, to, to helping is gonna be the defensive line. Um but there are some questions about depth, right? And less than a week to camp, those questions still exist as it stands. Now, there are two different types of depth questions that this team has. There's the, well, there's a lot of depth at a certain position, say a wide receiver or maybe offensive line. And how is that going to play out? Who's going to make the team, right? Some people, especially to say at receiver, it feels there will be some guys who are like, wow, how did they not make this team? But it's going to probably happen, you know, barring injuries or the unforeseen. Um, and then there's positions where you're like, eh, do they have enough depth? Uh, tight end comes to mind beyond Logan Thomas. Running back, what happens if Antonio Gibson uh, misses any time? And then you have defensive end. Obviously, Chase Young, Martin Tesswet, you know, pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of upside there and excitement, but there's little behind that that's proven. We all obviously know Ryan Kerrigan moved on, and I honestly really thought they would have signed a veteran um, by now. At least, you know, not necessarily some Pro Bowl caliber player, but, you know, somebody just in case. You know, Chase Young missed a little bit of time last year. What happens if that happens again? Um, and then, you know, just even within, forget injury, just in-game. You know, you don't typically have those guys play 100% of the snaps, keep them fresh. Um, you know, keep the pressure on the opposing quarterback. How do you do that when you don't have um, proven pieces? But they do have pieces, right? They do have some players. And we'll just have to see how that unfolds. And I do want to just talk about that briefly. Um, one of those guys is James Smith-Williams, a seventh-round pick last year out of NC State. Now, I wouldn't say that James Smith-Williams is a true edge rusher. He, he he's, he's got the ability to play kind of all over the place. Um, and we saw that. Um, Last year, you know, he played, played inside, played outside. And, uh, you know, even if he were to line up a defensive end, I, I don't necessarily know you'd count him as, a, as an edge guy, uh, you know, for, for sure. But at the same point, he's an intriguing he's an intriguing player. And the reason I wanted to bring him up in part was um, I heard uh, this week that earlier this offseason that Jameson Williams had um, surgery on his shins. Um, not 100% sure if it was for shin splints. But something along that along that line. Now, obviously, um, when I say earlier earlier this offseason, my sense is that the, the surgery happened before um, the offseason program. So this is more after the season. So looks like he obviously he played through. Um, he participated in OTAs and minicamp and things like that. So it doesn't seem like it's a it's a hindrance. But just wanted to note that in case something else comes up down the line. Sounds like he was dealing with some some pain um, in that area last season um the other names to keep in mind right now would be um for those backup roles uh casey Tuhill, who was acquired last year uh you and the two seventh round picks from this year shaka tony william bradley king you also have jalen jelks who was part of the practice squad last year um those are sort of the obvious uh, defensive end candidates um you know look i don't we can play the game of, you know, how many linemen will they keep? Um, for argument's sake, let's just say eight. I think we know who the four tackles are going to be. It, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, Tim Settle, at a minimum. Those guys are are good to go. And, and at this point, I've kind of thought to myself, well, if they don't sign a, a veteran, you know, maybe the move is move Jonathan Allen outside a bit more to defensive end on some plays, thus giving an, an opportunity for, for Ioannidis and Settle to, to get on, uh, on the field. Um 
more, again, I'm not viewing Allen as an edge guy, but obviously, you know, he has pass rush ability. And, you know, ultimately on some level, the goal is to get your best players on the field as much as possible. I think that's why Washington even used five defensive linemen at times uh, last year. So that's something to keep in mind. But again, when you get to the end, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good feel right now of who I think would be the, the guys. Again, if you're saying, if we're, if we're just for argument saying eight defensive linemen to make the team, then who are the two other backups? I mean, you know, I guess I would say James Smith Williams. And if you make me pick, I'll say William Bradley King, just because he seemed to stand out to me a bit more during the offseason program earlier, a little bit more than Shaka Tony, but that, I, you know, there's only so much happening. The defense isn't tackling anybody. You can't watch every snap. You can't watch every player on every snap. You know, there's no TV. There's no replay. So take that for what it's worth. But, um, you know, that's going to be an interesting dynamic to say to say the least. And, um, you know, look, you can't. We, we can talk about depth questions. Every team in the league has depth questions. Who, Whoever you think is the best team in the league, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, uh, whomever, they have depth questions at some spots. That, that's just the way it's going to be. You just do the best you can. And, you know, at least here they have darts to throw at the wall and they'll see, they'll see what sticks. Um, you know, if, if guys are hungry, if guys are talented, you know, th- that's kind of all you can ask for. And you just have to hope everybody puts it, um, puts it together. Um, I, I will just add another name to the, to the fun conversation. Uh, Daniel wise. Uh, he's a defensive lineman that they picked up. Uh, they signed to a futures contract uh, back. I think, I think in January and, you know, there's not a ton here from a resume perspective. He played at Kansas, hardly a college football power. Sorry, Michael Phillips. Um, he had uh, 10 sacks and 28 tackles for loss his last two years at Kansas, but his last year was 2018. And since then, he spent some time on the Cowboys practice squad, had a, had a literal cup of coffee with, with the Cardinals. Um, but Washington got here. I have a sense, I guess, that Washington seemed to like what they saw out of him. Now, maybe that's a like to – Hey, cool. We need more depth on the practice squad. That's always the case. Maybe it's that probably I would guess more than actually making the roster, but considering the massive uncertainty behind young and sweat, I'm kind of not going to rule out anybody who could potentially be in play. Now I, I, I will say wise is traditionally a defensive tackle, but he was somebody that was getting more run during those uh, OTA sessions when Chase Young was out. Uh, you know, played a little bit with the ones, uh, as I recall. So, um, again, not not remotely suggesting he's in the mix to, well, not, I forgot, but he's not going to start. Not in the mix to be high in the rotation or anything or even make the team, but, or I guess he would be in the mix to make the team if I'm talking about him. But I just think he's somebody to keep an eye on. And, and that's the thing. Guys like that wouldn't even, you know, even some, I mean, like I said, we just named the, the players in, in, in position here, three seventh round picks, a guy in Casey Tuhill who was picked up off waivers. And then here, a guy in Wise who, um, you know, hasn't been able to play in an NFL since he left college in 2018. That's what we're looking at here. And that's also why you got to keep your eyes open for any of it because um, so somebody's making this roster and it won't be somebody who's a proven player. And that's kind of where we're also at with it, with like tight end, right? Beyond Logan Thomas and beyond John Bates, the fourth round pick who will either be the number two tight end or at a minimum be one of the tight ends who makes the team. Um, if we're, if we're saying there's only going to be three tight ends, then, you know, you got Tamar Hemingway, um, you got the kid swoops is, is somebody else to keep an eye on. Obviously, Samus Reyes is somebody is, is somebody to, to consider. Although, you know, he still may have a ways to go before he's ready to play in the NFL based on where he, where, you know, where his, his learning curve is at. Um, 
but that's the thing, right? There's there's positions where there's a lot of depth, and we have to sift through and see which of the players stand out the most because you know they're already good and they just happen to you know somebody's going to get screwed or get or just bad luck. However you want to look at it, and then there's other spots where we're just not sure what to even make at this of this position. Somebody will make the team, but whether they are um, you know proven or, or, or you know whether they're proven, that seems unlikely at the, in the case of the defensive end and prob well. I shouldn't say, and probably to some degree, the third tight end as well. So that'll be a fun debate, fun fun storylines for sure at, at training camp. Depth, but in from two different perspectives, how that all plays out. Um, all right, just wanted to share those thoughts there on the defensive line. Let's get to the conversations. We'll start with Sam Cosme, second pick, or Washington's second pick in the 2021 draft. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, you know, I... It was it was a, it was a fun back and forth. Got got a little uh, off track at the top, but we reeled it back in. That's all on me if I say off track. Um, and then we got back into some football as we move forward. I will just add that I'm, I, I'll have an article coming up on the Athletic about Sam Cosme beyond this conversation and, and sort of the the offensive line as a whole. And um, as for uh, our my my survivor friends, you can follow them all. On Twitter, if you want, Dalton Ross is just at Dalton Ross. Um, Brendan Shapiro, at Brendan Shapiro, the number one. And Rick underscore Devins. If you're into Survivor, all, all these guys are, are, are great. And if you're looking for more Washington fans to, to follow and to commiserate with or to you know celebrate with, depending on what happens, all these guys are in your wheelhouse as well. And the Surviving Snyder podcast is a, a fun, fun, different type of way to discuss the Washington football team. But let's get to it. Here's my conversation, starting with Sam Cosme, second-round pick of the Washington football team, here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Um, and joining the podcast, we're really lucky to have uh, Washington rookie offensive tackle Sam Cosme. He's done two days of uh, mini camp, and he has survived to talk to us. How uh, pr- pr- appreciate your time, Sam. Welcome to the podcast, and how's uh, how's life going so far? Appreciate you having me. Uh, the life is going good. I mean, um, really integrated with the team and and the staff around here, and uh, it's been it's been good learning learning the playbook and getting that down. So, um, you know, it's it's. Uh, been a lot of work, but it's been it's been really good so far. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's easy to just sort of focus on well, you know, how's it going? You know, learning the new uh, or you know, learning what they want you to do on the offensive line and learning different positions and facing your teammates. But like, just from a strictly life perspective, obviously we've all gone through a lot over the last you know fifteen months or so because of the because of COVID. But you've you've now switched you know, where, where you live, you, you, you started, you started your, you know, your truly adult life and at least in the professional world and, and all that you moved and things like that. So how is, how is it going just with so much adjustment, so much change in your life? Like what's been the most sort of like, you know, from a purely life perspective, what's been the most interesting kind of part for you so far? I mean, so far right now, I, uh, I kind of just been going through, OTAs and really put a lot of focus on that and so they've got me up in hotel and um, basically been doing that so uh, other than that I mean the whole life change I mean I'm trying to put pieces together as I'm going but you know finding a place moving all all my stuff from you know all the way from Houston back home to here um, 
you know, it's, it's a lot, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, I just kind of take every piece, piece at one time and, uh, work, work around certain things. And it's, but other than that, no, it's been good. The transition has been really good. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's life, you know, changes happen, big changes happen like this. So, uh, just got to go with it. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's been a minute, minute since I was in my twenties, but moving was, was a pretty frequent occurrence of at that point. Are you, did you find, have you already sort of found like your steady place to, to that you're going to be living here? Or are you still kind of working on that? Uh, no, I'm going to be living in Ashburn. So, uh, yeah, I found a place, uh, last weekend. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a really nice place and, uh, only like a mile and a half from the facility, which is really good. So, uh, happy about that. <laughs> Was there anything when you were like, okay, I, if I get a place, it's got to have this thing. Is there any, is there anything like that you were really looking for? I, obviously, I, I'm sure geography location was important. You don't want to be late for meetings and you want to be close to the facility and all that. Cause that's where you'll be a lot. But was there anything in the place that you were like, really excited to, uh, to, to get? Uh, I just wanted a, a big like room area for me, like a bedroom. And so that, that I, I was able to find something like that. And so I was happy about having like a spacious bedroom. So for me, that was a big thing uh, going into that process. Gotcha. And I, I, I know I'm asking a lot of weird questions about your friend, but are you kind of by yourself or are you, or are you living with uh, any of the guys? No, I'm by myself. So, uh, just, just living by myself and, uh, kind of just figuring it out on, on my own right now. Gotcha. So like last year, obviously for the players, it was tough because of the, the COVID restrictions. Guys couldn't hang out to the same degree that they did before. And I'm sure for the new players, that was tough. You know, you, you're trying to get to know your teammates and yeah, I'm sure they did to some degree, but you know, it's, it, it was harder with everybody's trying to be, you know, safe with regards to, to, to the virus. So I presume it's at least a little bit easier this time, but, but how has it been getting to like, know the guys? Are you kind of, are you kind of limited to the, to your sort of position group to the offensive line group or how has it been sort of getting to know everybody? We obviously haven't been in the locker room um, since, you know, all this started. So I don't even know what the setup is at this exact moment. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty much you know we we have team meetings and we have our position meetings and so those are in person and spaced out with you know the protocols and everything and so you know it's been good being able to you know uh, meet my teammates and actually physically be able to be around them and do that so um, you know we take every protocol we can due to COVID and do all that but it's it's been nice being able to build those relationships with my teammates and. Um, just go forward and, 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 you know, being able to just um, build those, those bridges and do all that. So it's been good. When, when it, the way it was before, when you would walk into the locker room, like you'd walk into the, from the practice field, down the hall, hang a left and then go turn right into the locker room. The offensive linemen were basically straight ahead of us. Uh, that's where Brandon, Chase Ruye and those guys were. Is that kind of where you're set up like straight on the other side on the far side of the room, like straight across? Uh, I think we're in the, our meeting rooms, like. No, I mean, in the locker room, I mean, in the locker room area, I mean. Oh, the locker room area. Um, I, it's kind of spread out in there. I'm actually, my locker is in the bubble right now. So, uh, they have a couple guys just for spacing reasons in the bubble. So, uh, I'm not quite in the locker room yet. Gotcha. Well, like I said, it's, it's all. 
I got you. Yeah, it's also it's also interesting. Uh, I mean, it's not so much that this is interesting, but just like from the perspective of how things have changed, I don't even know what the locker room looks like, and you're not even in there. Uh, So (laughs) eventually, eventually, when things will get back to normal, and you'll get into the uh, into the locker room. Um, you know, the fact that you are where you are, a second round pick. You know, if you just say to people, well, they drafted this guy big he's very athletic university of texas sounds like well of course it sounds like a logical thing that's a a kind of a school that produces these types of of players but you were not a high recruit and from that perspective to not just even to even get drafted is notable i mean to even play at a big level of texas you started for three years is a big deal and to get drafted at what point along your journey did you kind of have a feeling that this was possible to go from like i said and correct me if i'm wrong you weren't like a five-star recruit or something to go from where you were, kind of have to work your way up that depth chart. At what point along the way did you kind of think that something like this was possible? Um, you know, I, yeah, I wasn't a high recruited guy. I was coming out of high school. I had very, very little, little offers, but um, I kind of started knowing like after my junior year, that's kind of when I figured, you know, going to my senior year that, you know, I have a shot to actually be going to NFL and actually be one of the higher draft picks. So um, that's kind of when I kind of knew um, after my junior year. Before then, I had no no idea. I was just playing ball. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so one of the things that's so interesting about you, you're obviously a big guy. you got to be, be on the offensive line, but you've got this speed, this extra gear that a lot of guys don't have. It's, you know, it's one thing to say time in a 40, um, which is obviously something you did well. Um but I remember not this week, but I'm going to say the previous week, there was a play where I want to say it was Jonathan Williams, the running back. He's running down the field. We're kind of watching the play unfold. And he's 20, 30 yards down the field. And there's, I see this huge guy leading the way and, you know, taking out blockers way down the field. And of course I look and see that it's you. And that, that's where I'm saying, like, it's one thing to say somebody times fast in a 40, but it's another thing to see it take place. Beyond the fact that you've timed fast in the 40, do you kind of recognize that you do have something a little bit different there when it comes to speed? And, and, and if so, what, what, is that, what do you think that's able to, you're able to do with that um, on the football field? Um, you know, I think my speed just really helps me out uh, in open space, uh, being able to get on the guy quick and, and break down and uh, make good blocks like that. So, like, that play you are just telling me right there, I was able to – to make some space between me and the running back and be able to block somebody downfield, to, you know, make the blocking uh, the block for a touchdown. So I think those are the type of things. Just my athleticism that uh, in that attribute of of football is really really key. Um, and so that's kind of where I see my speed, especially uh, is in those instances. Um, so as I said, we're talking on the after the second. Uh, mini camp practice today. I'm not sure when I'm going to get this up, but um, I asked Ron Rivera today, kind of just kind of what he's learned about you to, to this point. And one thing he said was that you are the kind of guy that when you make a mistake, you want to kind of immediately figure out what went wrong and how to fix it. Um, if you view that as something that's an accurate statement, what's something that so far? And look, it's 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 OTAs, it's mini camp. This isn't the training camp. You've only been doing this professionally now for a few weeks, so nobody's expecting anybody to solve, you know, figure out the meaning of life, so to speak. But what, is there something that you can like point to, just to give us an example of where you 
recognize something went wrong and you asked for what what happened and then have already started to make strides towards fixing it? Uh, I mean, shoot, I can go on so many things right now. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of things uh, that go on right now, especially learning a new playbook uh, and different ways of, you know, certain things and uh, transitioning from college to, to the NFL. It's a whole different ball game. And so, yeah, I'm the type of guy that like once, you know, something happens or I do the wrong step or something like I need to know exactly what to do to fix it. Um, so it doesn't happen again. Uh, so I'm one of those guys that really focus on trying to uh, not make those mistakes again and, and really strive for that, like, perfection. I mean, no one's perfect, but uh, you're always trying to strive for it. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm always going to ask those questions, always going to, you know, uh, find out what I need to do. So, like, uh, you know, uh, I mean, there's there's certain plays you go on and, you know, you can have a different defense, different this, all sorts of situations, and it can switch up your technique or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm always trying to figure out if I'm if I'm not doing something right, I'm going to try to fix it immediately. So I don't know if that's something you noticed that, like, when it's happening in the real time on the field or if this comes later in film review. But when that happens, who are you kind of turning to in that moment? Is it some one of the veterans on the line? Is it – uh, John Mascow, the, the the offensive line coach, or Trevell Wharton, the assistant offensive line coach, or or how for you, where you, what is that process like to try to figure out what 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 happened and what and what 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 to do to fix it? I mean, I normally go to like the guys first because they're they're in in the battle and they know the exact you know how it feels to do a certain technique or something like that. But a lot of the times when it comes to like assignment wise or or uh, you know, technique-wise too, I always ask Coach Travell. He's we and him have really built a really good relationship throughout these weeks. Um, you know, he's he's been really helping me out, learn the playbook and stuff, and taking that extra time and um, you know taking the hours after um, you know everybody's out the building to to sit down with him or to do walkthroughs with him and and learn this playbook. So he's he's been. Um, I mean, amazing in that aspect. Um, I, I do this thing on, on the podcast where I ask people a couple like random questions to sort of like get to know them better. I promise it's nothing scary. Uh, but uh, if you're if you're willing, uh, we can we can dive in uh, really quick before I let you get out of here. Yeah, let's go for it. All yeah. right, uh, Twitter. You're on Twitter, I believe. Uh, people follow you on Twitter. Do is there somebody who doesn't follow you on Twitter that you wish did? You know, that's a that's a funny question. I'm actually not a big social media guy, uh, so uh, to me, there's not really anybody. I, I I'm really one of those guys that can can care less of who follows me, and who doesn't. So um, that's kind of my personality and and kind of how I roll. Uh, so to me, it doesn't really matter how many followers or I have or something like that. It's it's uh, it's that's kind of how I roll. So now I don't think there's anybody that comes to mind. Uh, dang, I wish that guy follows me. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let that slide. Do all, uh, do all your guys in the offensive line who are on Twitter, do they all follow you or do we not even know? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, even, I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys that go down the list. Okay. This guy followed me. This guy did it. This guy followed me. This guy did it. You know, like, 
<laughs> I, I, I'm not like that. Uh, if you follow me, follow me. If you don't, you don't. I, I sometimes mess up on if guys follow me and, hey, you didn't follow me back, you know. It's like, oh, my bad. I'll go back and, and follow them. So, um, you know, I'm not constantly on social media, so uh, I can get mixed up with that. Fair, fair, fair enough. You're, you're living a smarter life if you're not paying attention to such things. I, on the other hand, uh, ha- have a problem and do focus too much on this nonsense. Um, who, who is your all-time favorite athlete? All-time favorite athlete? That's a good question. Um, I normally kind of gravitate towards my position um, just because of that. Um, so I think my all-time favorite is Joe Staley. Okay. For sure. What, uh, is, yeah. is there, is there any specific reason for, for him? I just love the way he plays the game. I love his personality. I love how he has fun with the game and just the technical aspect of it. And, um, you know, he's, he really is something special when he was playing the game. And so, um, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that I, I looked up to and, uh, a guy that is just unbelievable. Okay. Um, based on a hobby or a habit, what's a Hall of Fame that you would qualify for? Hobby or habit that that would be in the Hall of Fame? Like, like it could be something like I I qualify for the Seven Eleven Hall of Fame because I go there way too much. Uh, other people claim they're experts at like you know grilling. They're in they're in that Hall of Fame. So like based on something you do, you know, I have you know, a habit. I have a habit. It's not so much as I'm a huge Mountain Dew guy, uh, preferably Mountain Dew Voltage, which is, I just call Blue Mountain Dew. Um, so, like, I will occasionally, if, I, if I'm in any grocery store or any gas station and I look at the aisle section and they have one because not a lot of have them, I will automatically grab it. And, and that's my preferred drink. So, uh, I guess that's a kind of a habit to do, um, but yeah, that's my favorite drink, and uh, that's kind of what I do with it. Respect. Uh, I, I like I like the call. Um, last question: When did you like? I know like kids when they're generally when we're all growing up playing sports, and like you're in the backyard and you're tossing a football around. You know, you're catching it, you're you're throwing it. People aren't generally looking to be the block to block, right? We don't really have blockers when you're playing like sort of pickup football. So at what point did you in life think, oh, yeah, blocking, this is where I want to go. I want to be an offensive lineman. Um, so I never I, – I always played uh, – I played all sorts of positions when I was growing up, especially in the Little League. And then in, in, in you know, middle school I played – I did play O-line. I did play uh, D-line just because I was a bigger kid. So that kind of – you know, that's kind of where I got stuck. But specifically at – O-line uh, when I was in high school and I was a freshman uh, I was kind of playing back and forth D-line and O-line and uh, my O-line coach at that time uh, I remember it would we were I got moved up to varsity and he wanted me to play O-line and it kind of just stuck and that's kind of how it, <laughs> it went uh I wanted to play on varsity and that was my shot to play on varsity. And so I just took it and ran with it. 
Um, you know what? I mean, I make. I mean, it makes sense. You got to figure out what to do, but also, like, obviously, it worked out. You, you, you clearly have skills. I mean, you also caught a touchdown pass at Texas, which was a very nice play. If people haven't seen it on uh, social media, so you could look that out. So you have the skills to like catch a pass. So it makes makes me think like a tight end thing could have been in play at some point. But you know, clearly, you're a second round pick. You're playing in the NFL. You're poised for a good career. So I think you made the right call uh, <laughs> going to the offensive line. <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. Even though you know, uh, you know, the hands are still still operating, and then if, if there's still an option if uh, coach ever wants to use them. So um, just I'll just say I'm eligible what number, and and I'll go out there and I'll catch I'll catch whatever. So I think I've proved, proven that. So that's that's pretty. That's always in the bag. Got it. Awesome. Well, hey Sam, I really appreciate your time. Um, Obviously, if people are listening to this, they're into the Washington football team. I'm sure they're going to be cheering you on. I'll tell people for fun, go follow Sam on Twitter, at Sam Cosby. He clearly won't know if you do. But, you know, show, show some show support for the new guy and uh, and, and, and do it by, uh, the, you know, by, by that. Um, Sam, I really appreciate the time. Best of luck with uh, the rest of uh, of minicamp, and hopefully you have, a, you have a good break and get ready for uh, for training camp. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the on the podcast. So, thank you. All right. So, as promised, joining us here on the podcast, it is uh, it is a, it is not one, not two, not three, but four people all at once talking here. I'm going to have to have like some Jeff Probst like uh, dexterity here and conductorship to be able to navigate this conversation. But here we go. The the, the three gentlemen who are part of the podcast that is is the the ultimate ben standing niche podcast the surviving snyder podcast combining that these three people are all connected to the tv show survivor and they're all fans of the washington football team and they're lamenting the latter while discussing the former on their podcast uh rick devins uh brendan shapiro former contestants on the show dalton ross the preeminent uh entertainment entertainment journalist who covers survivor writes for entertainment weekly all three of them here gentlemen i appreciate the time it's great to be here man uh we're all as we've uh it was great to have you on our podcast we're all big fans of your work uh for the athletic and so excited to talk two of our favorite things washington football and survivor um rick i, I appreciate uh you, you you uh you being here as well i uh you know, I, the, the point of all this is that you guys, I, by the way, I said Rick, I mean, Brendan too, but I, I, Brendan's off. I can't see him. So in my head, I'm like, <laughs> he's, he's not here. I know he's listening, but I, in my head, that that's uh, that's what's going on there. Uh, I really appreciate the fact that you guys are, um, are, are here. And I appreciate the fact that you're doing this podcast. I mean, look, the world doesn't need, from my perspective, like another Washington football team only podcast. I didn't even want to do a Washington football team only podcast. And that's, I, I want to talk about other stuff and you guys aren't doing that. You're talking about all the, the, these things and you're combining it in an entertaining, entertaining way. I mean, just before we get into discussing the fan survey and I, I mentioned this in the intro before, what, what was it for you that Rick, that, that sort of when, when I, I assume Dalton's the one that came up with this crazy idea when, when, when he came to you with this, what was the, uh, what was the thought process? Yeah, I think uh, that the current generation of Washington football fans, if there's one thing that you love it's uh piling on just how how bad dan snyder has been and so that's something that dalton and brennan and i realized that we have in common so uh we met 
Dalton through Survivor uh, because he covered it. He was out in Fiji for Brendan and I. Um, and I'll let Brendan discuss, you know, his Washington football takes with Dalton. But, yeah, basically we started a text chain. Uh, we called it Misery Loves Company. And then that developed. And Dalton one day said, hey, you guys want to do a podcast? And I think Brendan and I were both just really excited. <laughs> so uh, the rest is history. Yeah, that sounds about right. We, uh, we, we, we would text each other during games and uh, either celebrate or complain about what was happening. And yeah, one day Dalton said, hey, the last thing the world needs is another podcast. But how would you like to take our text chain and turn it into a podcast? And, and yeah, we feel like the one thing that unites all WFT fans is a common um, – Hatred's too strong, but a common concern for the state, the, 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 the state of the team uh, or the, the, the current ownership of the team, um, it's something that we can, we can all uh, agree on. It's maybe the one thing that we can all agree on and rally behind. And so we figured maybe we could get, get, uh, um, get that drumbeat uh, rolling and have some fun with it and talk a little bit of entertainment uh, and sports all in the same, uh, in the same podcast. I, I love it. Uh, I mean, I know how, I mean, I know how passionate Dalton is about, the survivor and the all three you're bringing that to cover to talk about this team will get you through i'm sure it's gotten you through many a a, a gloomy season and it'll get you through whatever is, is is ahead but that's the interesting thing right like we're gonna is is how to view what is about to come training we're talking on monday night training camp starts essentially a week from today i will be in richmond lamenting how hot it is i'm sure and uh, we, I, I don't really even know what to think at this moment in time because there's still this constant swirl, the Dan Snyder of it all that exists. And it, for me, my, my basic constant theme, that going way back to when I was still a fan, it's been this way for 15 years of the, or however many years, whenever Adam, I, I talked about this when I did your guys' podcast, the Adam Archuleta signing was sort of the the, the end of it for me as a, as a, as a fan who's going to be emotionally invested because I could see where things were going. Uh, and the Dan Snyder thing has been a constant. It, it is like, uh, you know, Dan Snyder is, uh, I know you guys are Lost fans also. Dan Snyder is our, is, is Penny to our Desmond. It, it always exists. We can just have to go, we, we need to get recentered. We just go back and find this, the craziness of it all. Now, maybe, maybe one day this will be different, but who, but who knows? But the football side of things, it does feel different. Now, it's only one year under Ron Rivera, but it does feel different. Um, because of not just you know that they won the division, the seven and nine record, but the, the, the they rallied late. There's a lot of young talent on this team. Ron Rivera seems pretty positive, and we and it was part of the reason why we did this survey just to get a state of what people thought about this group. So I'm using you guys to go through this survey and get your view on some of these questions and and, and sort of get a sense. Like again, you you get I'm, you you guys are counting for all the fans. Uh, 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 equally so um you know there's a lot of weight on your shoulders um this is this is like another survivor game like it's like when, when you have to stand there with all the weight on your shoulders okay i'm gonna stop that well it's funny <laughs> it's funny ben, and we'll we'll get to your questions um shortly but i couldn't help in in reading the article i couldn't help but think about every question virtually every question on there through the lens of somebody who has suffered through snyder for the last couple of decades so, you know, when it gets to my confidence in various things, whether it's players or, or the team or how the team regards me as a fan or any of those things, I kind of look through, at everything through that lens. Um, and, and, I, and, you know, maybe I, I've just been beating, beaten into submission of the last couple um, decades, but uh, 
but that's kind of no, you're you know your history brendan you know your history if you don't know your history you're doomed to repeat it and the history is over what 21 seasons now uh we've had a few isolated good seasons i don't think anyone would call last season better than good we were seven and nine and it's never been followed with a good season right you can talk you know was it 1999? You could talk 2012. You could talk 2016. And what's happened the following year? Um, I know we are all individually. We are optimistic. I think that probably plays a little role in why we started the podcast. We're excited about the way the season ended. We're excited about Chase Young. It was this Taylor Heineke guy. We lost, but that was fun. You know, so we, we do have some optimism, but I understand exactly where Brendan's coming from because anytime we've had any optimism after anything good happening over the past 20 years, it's been followed by bad, bad, and more bad. Well, and we've had our fair share of clowns in the organization, but this is not the first time that we've had football professionals running things. It's not the first time. And we could talk about this later, but, you know, we've had solid football people in this organization under Dan Snyder over the last couple of decades who have flashed, who have shown us a glimpse of success. We've, we've, we've been where we are right now, a year into uh, a, a legit football coach doing legitimate football coach things, and the wheels have come off. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, in terms of that long-term success that you're talking about, Dalton. It, it's, a, it's a very reasonable point to take, and I would not fault anybody if they were unwilling to even dip a toe in the pool of optimism, let alone their entire uh, body, but we, you know, we, we got to start somewhere. So the first question posed pretty simple, how many games will Washington win this season? We broke it down into five different resp- uh, options, fewer than six, six to seven, eight to nine, 10, 11, 12 or more. As a reminder, there's an extra game. So it's now 17 games. They won seven last year. Uh, the, the highest uh, response between said between eight, nine games. So basically 500 team, but 39% said between 10 and 11. I mean, Washington has has won 10 games, has not won more than 10 games. I think what, like three times uh, since uh, in the Snyder era. Um, And yet that's, there's a, that's a pretty strong optimism. I mean, that's, what is that? Uh, I'm not good with math here. Oh yeah. Over 90%, whatever this is, 92% said, they're they're at least hopeful if not bullish on this team and Dalton I I say you those numbers and you think what well I mean I we've talked about this a little before before I get why people are saying it they say all right we went seven and nine last year right the team's better the team looks better they seem to be better at a lot of different positions our secondary seems better Uh, our receiving course seems better our quarterback situation looks better Um, so of course we have to be eight, nine, 10 or 11. The problem is, is I think, and we've talked about this. I think we could have a better team, but with a worse record because we're playing a brutal first place schedule. And I know you shouldn't play the schedule game. We all know that, but you know, you point out in your article, Ben, we're playing the all like of the, uh, all four teams that played in the conference championship game last year, plus teams like the saints and the Seahawks. It's a brutal schedule. And I think we could wins seven games again and which would be a worse record to be seven and ten but actually be a better team uh that's sort of where i'm at rick i don't know how you feel about it well i'm in that majority that eight nine uh 
you know, that got 53% of the vote because all the things you said, like, I think we're a better team. Uh, there's one extra game to play. Um, I do understand the schedule looks tough. Dak Prescott is back that, you know, makes Dallas a tougher squad, but it's that optimism, man. We got a good squad. We got Fitz magic back there. Curtis Samuels here. We're actually going to have an offense. Like we did it last year without an offense almost. I mean, um, so yeah, I think that we are basically going to win the same amount of games, even though I think we'll be a better team. But Ben, I'm just curious. You, you follow these things. I, I probably closer than I do. Do you know what the Vegas line is on how many games our team's going to win? Because I bet it's less than that, right? Like, I bet it's, it's, or I don't know. I mean, I, I have a feeling when all the pundits, the national pundits come out with their predictions, they'll probably have our team at what, six, seven, probably. It doesn't mean they'll be right. They were wrong last year. I think a lot of them had of us at two, three wins. Uh, I'm going to try to pull this up really quick. I mean, obviously the Cowboys or whatever, whatever it is, the Cowboys will be considered the favorite. I'm yes. sure because it's the public. Uh, the, the public and all that. I'm just looking here. Uh, uh, some one of these uh, VegasInsider.com. They've got Dallas at nine to five, and they have Washington at eight. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's kind of hard to deny. I mean, the, Washington had a pretty good off season. That was part of the questions here. I, th- I mean, like, look, it's not like I'm trying to poke holes in whatever they do, but like, I my, my job is to like, well, I don't agree with this, or this doesn't make any sense. And honestly. Other than like the Brandon Sheriff tag, there was almost like nothing of note that I was like, well, that didn't make any sense. Agreed. Like everything kind of was like, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, whether William Jackson is a Pro Bowl corner, I, I will see what happens. Whether Ryan Fitzpatrick actually plays well, we'll see. But the lot, I mean, I always view these things, what's the logic behind what you actually did? What happens? I, I don't know. The world is a, the world is a mystery. mystery. I, I don't know how anything works in this life. But <laughs> the, the, what's the logic to why you did the thing? Right. I mean, and ultimately, if you can tell me that or if I, if I can see that, then then I'm good at it. And most of the things they did were good, which is why it does feel from an optimism standpoint. Things should be uh, things should be uh, on the ascent here. Um, and it does seem like every year, if there's a team that outperforms expectation, they either have a really great offensive line or a really great defensive line. And I think Washington has potential for both of those and if we do have a really good offensive line this year and a really good defensive line then i think that's gonna lead to wins that's just the way it seems to work in the nfl absolutely all right we're gonna we'll come back to the broader picture stuff with some of the other questions but i wanted to get to some other ones here rick i'm going to ask you that this is this is a legitimate honor of your uh fourth place finish on survivor because you got absolutely screwed by the by that whole season i'm sure i'm sure you've not thought about that 27 times but the i'm not gonna bring up but the, the you know whatever the, the the twist was fine but like the guy comes in the was it chris he beat he, he was i didn't even know who he was he was on the season wasn't there the whole year you, you you're, you're you're like killing everybody and you get taken out ridiculous but in, in in honor of your fourth place finish the fourth question was who will be this season's breakout player now obviously there could be other people and by breakout breakout by some people is a relative thing. I didn't try to go, like I could have said Terry McLaurin will break out from being a really good receiver to a, one of the four guys who goes to the pro bowl. Okay. You could make that claim. And in an article I did for the athletic, I actually named Antonio Gibson, even though he had a really good year because you know, he was still learning what he was doing and, you know, he'll get more receptions, all that, but I didn't go with any of that. We want more sort of rank and file guys. So 
Rick, I'll turn to you first. Uh, here are the names we had. You can pick one of these guys or somebody else. Breakout player. Taylor Heineke, sort of a nod to the to the Heineke hive out there. Cole Holcomb, Matt Ioannidis, Bobby McCain, Cam Sims, or the one that actually won this contest, Other. <laughs> said ben those choices were really lame we're going elsewhere uh i agree with your instinct about antonio gibson if he was eligible but since he's not uh i think cam sims could have a really big season with more people to concentrate on uh for the other defenses i think sims has shown a lot of potential i think if he can maximize his opportunities in a way that he hasn't in the past that that he could be what we all think you know the rookie brown could be you know maybe they're both a little bit of it but i think cam sims could have a huge year brandon any of those uh names or somebody else uh jump out to you well i the the i guess i i'll i'll disagree with rick on sims only because um I, there's only one football to go around and now we've got adam humphreys in the mix we got Deami Brown in the mix. There's just a lot of dudes that need to get the football. And I think this offense is one that's going to, um, I think Scott Turner is going to spread the ball around and it's going to, you know, a lot of people are going to be catching passes, whether that's running backs or receivers. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm probably more inclined to go with uh, a, a defensive player. Um, and um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll go Ioannidis. I, I, I'm a big believer in Matt Ioannidis and, and, you know, the, the team has a big decision to make coming up with, um, you know, who, who do they sign on that defensive line? You know, you got essentially virtually everybody's contract coming up and they're going to have to make decisions. And, and, uh, and I have to think that Ioannidis is going to be a, a little bit of a cheaper resign than, than maybe uh, sweat or, or young when that day finally comes um, or even uh, Payne or Allen. So um, I think Ioannidis quietly is going to, is going to do work and earn himself a, a, a big, a big contract. Um, you know, I guess what, after this year. Yeah, by the way, I mean, everybody who's anybody who listens to my podcast know I'm, I'm like obsessed with how they're going to fix the defense, how, not fix, how they're going to uh, maintain this defensive line intact over the next few years with all these first round picks coming up. And then you always have to remember, Matt Ioannidis led this team in sacks in 2019. We can't be like, well, you know, don't worry about him. Like, I think that's a pretty important piece to say the least. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I can't wait to, uh, I, I, I'm sure the, the listeners are probably like, dude, you got to stop talking about this topic, but I, I can't. Uh, I can't help it. Plus, we got John Allen's contract extension. I don't know. We're still waiting. But ben, it's such a good problem to have right now. I mean, you have you have backups. Theoretically, Ioannidis is probably going to be coming off the bench. Maybe I would think. I'm um, in a four three, right? Because you've got Allen and Payne and and Sweat and um, and Young all starting. I, I assume. So you got Ioannidis coming off the bench. Maybe you've got a guy like Tim Settle when he's your sixth. Uh, Sixth Go best Hokies. defensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good situation. We haven't had this kind of depth. And and that's, you know, to get to an earlier point that Dalton made, I think this is the most talented. You know, I sounded like I was boohoo and everything in, in the in the first part, but I, I really do think this is the most talented team the Washington football team's had in a really long time. So I'm excited about the talent on the field and 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 it's it's cool because there are lots of guys that could that could be that breakout player. Uh there there are there are. And uh yeah, it, it's gonna be it's going to be interesting in that front. I actually will say like, I'm, you know, look, I, I see all the people out there who tweet only one weekend left without any kind of football. And all I think is 
that's my podcast. All I think is fuck you. It means my summer's ending. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I don't want to go to I don't want to go to work. Salty language from Ben eh, Standing. You know, getting the explicit rating in standing room only. Yeah, you know, you know, you can't you can't lock can't. up the kids. Exactly. Um, but uh, but I'm actually kind of excited not to go, I said really work, but like, okay, let's actually because OTAs and minicamp, honestly, we didn't really see that much. I mean, all the people who want to say that Taylor Heineke played better than Fitzpatrick as an example. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, he, you know, it, it was an apples to oranges thing. And I'm not using that. I'm just saying, like, there wasn't much happening. There's no hitting. It was very limited. And now we'll get to see more. I'm not saying it'll be like in training camp, it's going to be like, they're going to just be going crazy and, 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 and pounding each other. But we'll see more, including just who the coaching staff is using in what, in what order, what capacity. All that gives a little more insight. And frankly, like, I need something to talk about something, uh, something, because I'm kind of running out of my brain here of, of, of topics. Dalton, um, you're, you're a smart guy. H- help me wrap my head around this one. I was just thinking about this. So question four, uh, question 15 was, what is your expectation for Fitzpatrick? And the majority answer, 52.2%, went with the most optimistic answer, which is starts, plays well, and shows he's not slowing down. Even the second option was starts but struggles with turnovers, which is essentially the Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, journey we, everybody's experienced. But then... There was another question, which was, uh, where is it? Oh, now I can't find it because I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, what? Okay, what? question 12, what is your biggest roster concern? And 43.2% of people said quarterback. The next answer was at 13.2% tight end depth. Now, obviously, quarterback's going to get more attention no matter what, and I guess you could say that Fitzpatrick could play well and have a concern. That doesn't really square with me, though. If the concern is they don't have a long-term answer at quarterback, okay, sure, but, like, how do you square more than half the people saying Fitzpatrick is going to do really well and yet nearly half the people saying the the issue is the biggest – quarterback is the biggest concern? Because I think people were probably reading the question as if, like, in terms of what's the most important position. It's my biggest concern – because it's the most important position. And if that's not figured out, we all know nothing else matters, um, to quote Metallica. So I think that that might be part of it. And what I was so uh, found so interesting about your um, Ryan Fitzpatrick question, like what's the expectation? You know, 52% in your poll said starts, plays well, and shows he's not slowing down. 33% said starts, but struggles with turnovers. I think it's probably both. Like, I think he's going to play well. I mean, Anyone that's listened to our Surviving Snyder podcast knows we are all on the Fitz Magic train. Like we are so excited about Fitz Magic, but we're not blind to it. Like we know the Fitz tragic side of it, but after watching such bad and and more importantly for the purpose of this conversation, such boring quarterback play, you know, football should be fun to watch. You know, it's Ben's job. It's not my job. It's not Rick's job. It's not Brendan's job. We just want to have fun watching some football. So we're all signed up uh, to, for, for the Fitz magic, Fitz tragic Jekyll and Hyde act. I think he's going to throw some turnovers. I think he's going to throw some picks. I'm cool with that. Cause I also think he's going to have people like wrapping, like, you know, tearing his head off, like in that Raiders game. And he's just chucking bombs 50 yard down the field. I'm ready for both. So I think we're going to have some spells where he doesn't play well. But um, I think overall, he he is going to be a big boost to the offense. Do, do, do we think he's going to – like, as much as I'm interested in the Fitzmagic, what we're seeing on the field, the off-the-field stuff, it's like press conferences. Like, I'm, I'm waiting 
like, love it. I just watched you know Conor McGregor fight the other day, and I'm watching this going, man, I hope it's Patrick uh, shows up in that in that get up one more time. And he he he's it's not so much that he's a funny guy; he's just a like direct and just says kind of like he'll just say something really direct to you and because of that it becomes across interesting which would be great because alex smith no offense to him whatever he said nothing kirk cousins was kind of didn't say a ton either so i'm excited just for the fitzpatrick aspect of all that aspect from that point ben my favorite thing in the entire tenure of dan snyder as owner of the washington football team is when clinton portis was sheriff gonna get you was was doing his <laughs> interviews in character as sheriff gonna get you bro sweets was it southeast jerome yes and just like every week he had a different character with a bizarre outfit and like chris cooley standing behind him is like i don't even was he security i don't know what he was i am all about just like the wacky press conferences and wacky characters and you know the chest hair and the the, the chains and the beard i'm about every single moment of that um, so I'll, I'll put the survey aside. People can go check that out. Uh, and hopefully you, you do. And there's a lot of questions about, like I said, you know, does the organization value as a fan? What do you think about Ron Rivera, the stadium and, and some other things about the football team? But I guess just for you guys, you, you know, you've only down, uh, I think you've only had two, two episodes out so far. So there's a lot more room to get to like, what's something that like, wasn't on that survey. It doesn't even have to be like a, you know, whatever, what was something just for you guys? It's either you guys have already talked about it, or just on your mind, Rick, if you want to go, just something that's of, of note for you that, that you, um, you know, as we get close here to training camp that you, you just kind of keep thinking about with this team. You know, because we're still in the preseason, we're so excited about the rookies. Like there's just so much potential in this rookie class. There's so many unknowns because maybe, you know, like Jamin Davis didn't play that much, you know, in Kentucky. But the athleticism for all these guys is out the charts. Uh, so I think that's something we're really excited to see because those are guys you're actually going to see, you know, more of uh, yeah. in OTAs. Yeah, Rick Rick kind of hit on it. Like we – so we have a lot of confidence in – or at least I, I think we all three do, that we have a lot of confidence in what the front office has done since Rivera took over. And, and honestly, I think in the year or two before uh, the Rivera regime started, I think, you know, the drafts had – had been pretty successful. Uh, and I think this off season has been awesome. And that was one of your questions, Ben is, you know, how do you rate the off season? And I, I give it an A for sure. The sheriff thing, as you mentioned, is odd. And, and I think is, uh, is, is kind of a, a you know, going to dead end on us pretty soon, but, but yeah, I, I love what they did in the off season. And that's a reflection of a really strong front office. And, you know, you had asked about kind of people's feelings on the owner and people's feeling on, on the, on the head coach. Um, and I guess if we were all three of us to, to rate, you know, the work that the uh, scouting staff has done, whether that's college scouting or, or pro scouting, uh, we all, we're all pretty excited. I, I, the my only thing I didn't like about your survey, Ben, is that there was not a question dedicated to Cameron Cheeseman. I am the president of the Cameron Cheeseman fan club. When you trade up in the draft for a long snapper named Cheeseman, I'm in baby. I am all the way in. Get me the Jersey with the name on the back. I'm ready to roll with the Cheeseman. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, that was the, the, I think it was day three after day three of the draft. My lead was about here's how, you know, things are different ish, at least with regards to how things are going that they, they didn't, after all this, Dan Snyder chasing, uh, you know, chasing headlines, they traded up for a long snapper. And that was also in the same breath, 
They took a blocking the, the, the they took a blocking tight end and basically drafted a special teams player in uh, Derek Forrest. It, or like that was like three consecutive picks. So I was like, wait, what team am I covering here? This is like functional, or this is like like <laughs> like you're really just trying to do the right things? Like I don't know what's going on here. Uh, up is down, black is white, raining cats and dogs, uh, all of the above. Love men it. are made of cheese. That's right. <laughs> All right, I got to, uh, before I let you guys get here, I have to ask a couple of survivor questions uh, for, for, for Rick and Brandon, but but but, uh, but Dalton, I'm curious your take as well. I, so I, nobody cares, but long story short, I watched the first two seasons of Survivor and then I went away for a couple of years. I don't know why, just whatever, dating somebody, who knows. Anyway, I, my, a couple of my friends, Dave and Darren, coaxed me back in for Survivor All-Stars and it's been, you know, love ever since. Um and we have you know, several debates, like, like, you know how everybody debates like LeBron or Jordan. We debate things like, is Jeff Probst too involved in the uh, tribal councils? And here's my, my, my friend Dave has real issues with Probst. And I need, and like, I need to get you guys, because you guys are there. You guys have been on that end of it where he's asking all the questions. And I asked my friend to, to give me the, the, the question he wants asked. So here's the question or his comment. Probst clearly influences the game by asking questions to pressure or dupe people to offer information that is detrimental to their game and or cause issue. Why don't contestants say, Jeff, that that's, uh, I don't want to answer that question in front of my competitors as obviously answering it would hurt my game and or reveal my strategy alliances or enemies to my enemies. Um, I have my thoughts as to why what he's saying where I make, quibble with what he's saying but it doesn't matter what i think you guys have actually done this so what do you guys say rick if you want to go first to the idea of jeff probes being too involved i would say jeff makes it real clear actually your very first tribal he says basically none of you want to say anything i get it it's for your game but we have kind of a contract here where we're making a tv show so if i ask you questions you can figure out a way to say something without giving stuff away. You can lie, you can do whatever you want, but you can't not answer questions. Uh, and I think there's a misconception on TV that what you see at Tribal is what is all there was at Tribal. And they'll say, oh, those questions were so guiding, you know, they, and or Rick, he asked you so many questions and not these other people. And it's like, no, he asked everyone questions. They used my questions. You know, he might've asked a question that's really, you know, guided towards me and my game but he also asked two other people that so everyone at tribal is not going oh my gosh i can't believe devins did that it's like oh he already asked gavin and vic that he's just asking everyone that so i think if you just watch the show it seems that it's a lot more that way than it is but i'll tell you if you're at tribal and you're like if you don't answer a question he'll get on you like he will he will get on you and make sure you give him a question so that's why a lot of people just started making these huge long metaphors, the Christian Hibiki method or the David Wright method, where you have a huge metaphor where you don't really say anything, but he moves on to the next question. I'm gonna let Brendan, I wanna hear what Brendan says, but I, I'll just, cause right on that point that Rick just said, it's the key. You don't have to answer the question. He, he, you have to give them something. And mm -hmm. that something could just be something funny, entertaining. Boston Rob was great at that. He would never answer the question, but he would give them a, a, a fun, entertaining response to make a television show. That's all you have to do. And most players don't realize that. I remember John Cochran telling me, God, I just felt this pressure to please Jeff. 
I felt this pressure, like I want to make him happy. So I said a little too much, um, but you don't have to do that. You just got to give him something to work with. Brendan, what, what was it like for you at Tribal when he was putting you under the microscope? Yeah. So to speak to that pressure, it's interesting. I, um, so most people that, that find their way to Survivor spend a lot of time trying to get there. So like I personally spent a really like a decade and a half trying to get there. And so I finally did. And I felt that I felt on the hook to give them something. Now, to Rick's point, you don't have to give them the truth, you know, and you don't even have to give them strategy so long as you can be colorful in the way that you describe what's going on um so i think i think that all makes sense the, the other thing just to kind of to to maybe put a little bit um make this the, the picture a little clearer tribal council on survivor lasts i don't know it depends from week to week but maybe five to ten minutes somewhere in there and the actual tribal council from the time people sit down to the time they walk out could be anywhere from and they and they vary as well but they could be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Um, and that is because Jeff is putting the screws to everybody. Uh, so, so yeah, it's equal opportunity. And then it's just a matter of, you know, it, that then it gets to what, what are the editors decide to do and the produ producers decide to do in terms of making an enter entertaining television show. See, this is, I didn't even state my case in advance because I had confidence. Uh, unlike the question of do people like, do you have basically, do you have confidence in the Washington football team? I had confidence in the, the, the co-host of the Surviving Snyder podcast, that you guys would make the, the basic point, it's a television show. They're not actually playing a game. They're all on a TV show. The game is irrelevant. The TV show is the thing, and they're using the TV show to enter the game to entertain people. And yeah, Jeff Probst has to ask questions. I, I guess on the flip side, you know, uh, Big, Big Brother doesn't use Julie Chen nearly as much in that way as, as, as Probst, but when she has to play the role of asking questions, it becomes kind of funny because it's not it, we we're not often as the audience not really getting much and it's a lot like there's not much happening jeff is doing a good job for us we need to know what's happening i need to know what these people are thinking because we we're you know we're all sitting at home wondering you know what's up we only see a very small sliver so yes good 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 answer from you guys yeah i would just say he is an element in the game that people need to figure out and he uh i will say this about jeff whether you think he is too involved which some people do whether you don't like the twists uh, as an executive producer, these come up with and too many, you know, idols and, you know, the edge of extinction, whatever the job he does at tribal council is, is remarkable. He does it. He does not have an earpiece. He's the only host I know that doesn't use one. He does it all on the fly. There's no note cards. He's peering down at you watch the other hosts. They all have an IFB in their ear. They all have note cards or they have a producer feeding questions to him. He has none of that. Uh, he does a remarkable job in the moment of sensing uh, an eye roll or uh, picking up on a certain thing and then going, going at that. So you talk about how to answer his questions. It's also how you carry yourself and how you react to what other people say. And he's, he's a master at picking up on that. Um, all right, Rick, different question. Uh, I believe you said you lost 38 pounds. You were out there for what, 30? I How lost, I was out there 38 days. Don't remind him. <laughs> and I lost 31 pounds. Oh, okay. 31 yeah. pounds. 38 um, of the 39 days yeah, for everyone rough. listening out there. <laughs> now, ob now, obviously, all of us, I suspect, maybe Dalton's a, a skinny marink, but like all of us, like in general, would like to lose some weight. Is there anything you can tell us to, without, you know, like to take the, the, what you did there to lose the weight to incorporate here, other than just don't eat? Is there anything that you can, is there a Rick Devins diet that we can take? Because <laughs> I could, I could lose, I mean, look, if you told me I could do something to lose, 31 pounds before the season starts i'd be like all right what do we what do we got but i don't know if i was eating rice 
is, is am i gonna am i gonna stick to that i'm yeah i mean that's basically it it's just you don't need any self-control because you can't get to any food uh so we were having we had these little cups coffee cups that had been won on a challenge by comma when they were kicking our butts and you know before the merge uh and we'd have a little cup of rice in the morning and a little cup of rice at night and that's it and then all water all the time you know which is something i am trying to get better at in regular life but was certainly bad at before survivor and it was like an eye-opening experience it's like i didn't have headaches because i drank so much water you know i was worried i was popping ibuprofen more than i should before i went out there and was worried i'm gonna have these headaches on the island but i drank so much water because i was afraid of dehydration that the headaches went away so it's a really i came back and my doctor was like i thought this experience would kill somebody you know 31 pounds in 38 days is really an unhealthy thing but you're in the best shape i've ever seen you like that's that's what how bad a shape i was in before i went out there as opposed to brendan who i'm sure your experience is very different because you were in great shape going out there. yeah so and that's the crazy thing that people don't realize and my advice to anyone that ever plays the game in the future is you want to go in a little bit heavier than like than you, you want to come in with some pounds because totally agree i came in i came in sort of my normal like fighting weight right i was just i was just kind of weighed what i weighed and in fact, I had tried to, I knew that I was going to play for, I don't know, five or six weeks before I actually went out there. And I tried in that time, I thought my, my faulty logic was, okay, I'm going to have to go out there and survive on, you know, uh, a tiny fraction of the calories I normally eat. And so I'm going to train my body. I'm going to slow my metabolism. I'm going to train my body to keep working out, keep doing things on fewer calories, because when I get out there, I'm going to need, need to be able to do that. So the problem was I, I, you know, I just got leaner and I didn't affect my metabolism. My, my metabolism was still cranking and I was losing a pound a day, a little more than a pound a day. Um, and I didn't have that to lose. And so by day six, because I was already pretty lean to begin with, by day six, every time I stood up, I, I would like nearly faint. I'd have head rushes all the time. My legs would cramp constantly. Um, I'd get the spins all the time. So, uh, and it really affected my game, like the way I could perform in challenges and stuff. So so I think coming in a little heavy, like if, if, uh, if I could give any, any single piece of advice to anyone is, is go in, you know, 10 pounds heavier than, than you think you should. Um, because every pound, like the doctor out there, Dr. Joe told, told me the way he put it was every pound buys you a couple of days, um, before you really start to go, go, uh, go South. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's a crazy part of survivor that people don't get is, is you actually want to come in with a little beef on you. All right. Well, I've got that set. If they, uh, if, if I ever send it on audition tape, I'm good there. Uh, Dalton, let me, let me get you guys out on this. So we want people to listen to the surviving, surviving Snyder podcast. Now, some people might be like, well, I don't listen to this. I don't watch survivor. So I may not get that part of it, but uh, survivor is what, what are we, what are we going to do now? Season what? 41 this fall. CBS. Yeah. I mean, it's insane that it's still going on. Obviously we all like it, but the network isn't keeping on because the four of us like it. They're keeping it on because it still really does well for them. And, and you can jump in. This isn't a show that you need to know, you know, like anything else, His, knowing some history helps, but you don't really need to know, especially in a season like this one coming up, it's all new um, uh, contestants. And Jeff Probst is even saying they're changing the game, whatever. We'll see what that means, but tell people, I want people to like, who aren't in, who, who, who are into the bashing Snyder part, to want to get into Survivor by watching. So what's, why do you, a guy who has written more about this show than anybody could conceive, who's gone to the island so many times, 
still really, really loves this show. So why do tell people why you still do it? In other words, to get them excited to try this season out if they've never watched before. Yeah, first of all, I'll say if you're a sports fan, you'd love Survivor. There's a reason why all these sort of sports sites like, you know, Barstool and The Ringer in the past two years have gotten all super into Survivor. There's a reason why people like Ben and, you know, JP Finley and some other sports folks love it as well because the competition element. But why Survivor is so great and why it's going into his 41st season, we've all had shows, television shows, scripted shows that we loved at one point. And then after a few seasons, you sort of get tired of it or it feels too much of the same, same, or it starts to get bad. And once a show, a script- They do shows... a musical episode, maybe a cartoon <laughs> episode. Yeah. What Once a show gets bad, it's really hard to get good again, right? Once a show starts to get off the off the rails, it's really hard to get back on the tracks. You could, Survi- just, you could, you could just name How I Met Your Mother. It's okay. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, I could, there's a million shows I can name <laughs> that with, but Survivor has a reset button after every single season. You don't like the, these twists this year? You don't like the contestants? No problem. We're gonna have a whole new theme and a whole new contestants next year. And so there's some seasons that have been not so good, but you always know, no problem, because in two months, I'm gonna have a completely new season to go with. I know a lot of people have been, uh, a few seasons are on Netflix now. I'll even recommend Survivor Kagayan is on Netflix. I think it's a great season to start with because it's all new players. Uh, heroes versus villains is on there, but that's some returning players. So if you haven't watched before, you're kind of catching a mid story. So check out survivor Kagai on Netflix. And if you're into it, then start checking out other seasons. I think you're going to love it. Uh, it's just, it's, it's shot gorgeously. It's all HD and Fiji looks amazing. The competition elements, amazing. The strategy elements, incredible. And, um, I, I think that you'll, you'll, uh, you know, just like Ben Standig at All-Stars get a, get hooked to get rehooked again. By the way, I thought we we're going to get into Ben Standig's love life there for a second. Were you guys excited when you start talking about he started dating a girl and stopped watching Survivor? I'm like, where are we going with this? I'm excited. And then you just sort of glossed over it. Yeah, ben try, Standig try. after dark. You can catch that on <laughs> Paramount Plus, the live feeds. <laughs> yeah, tr- tr- trust me. It, 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 the, the, it, the Ben of the dating show would have been canceled. They wouldn't have, they would have, at best, they would have had the pilot episode and then that would have been, this, uh, what's episode two? Nothing's happening. Was a cat involved in this somehow, Ben? Like, I just sort of feel like there might have been some feline activity. I'm not sure. I actually, uh, I was catless at the time, but she had two. And then later I did get, so yes, I guess to some degree uh, that, that, that helped the, uh, that helped grease those skids. Um, all right, guys, you guys rule. Go listen to their Surviving Snyder podcast. You can find it anywhere. Go read, go read Dalton and Entertainment Weekly and, uh, uh, I've already said everybody's Twitter handle at the start of the show. So, and I'll do it before I leave. Um, you guys rule Dalton Ross, Rick Devins, Brendan Shapiro. I appreciate it guys. Good luck with the podcast. Thanks, Thanks so ben. much, Ben. Thanks, appreciate ben. it. All right. Um, that's it for this episode of the standard room only podcast. Uh, look, uh, props to the Milwaukee bucks. I probably should have said that at the top, but props to them for winning the NBA title, uh, you know, I, 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 I had some skepticism coming into the finals about what to make of this. And I don't think that was unwarranted. We, we didn't have sort of an obvious traditional power team or star player that we've already been super down the line with, um, like a LeBron or Steph Curry at, at this level. Uh, but, you know, the Suns had a 2-0 lead. The Bucks roared back, win the last four. Giannis Antetokounmpo was off the charts impressive uh, down the stretch, including a 50-pointer in game uh, six to clinch, to clinch that. And he made the point 
after the game, it's easier to go join a super team. It's a lot harder to stay put and do what he he and the Bucks did. Could not agree more. Um, I'm not a big fan of the super teams. I suspect most people aren't unless you're a fan of that particular team or one of the players involved. Um, you know, getting Giannis as the 15th pick in 2013, I believe that's the same year they acquired Chris Middleton in a, you know, a deal nobody thought twice about. You know, the the only lottery pick I think they have in this whole team is Brooke Lopez, who is definitely, you know, far removed from being a real a, a lottery pick. They traded a bunch of stuff to get Drew Holiday, who's a very good player, but he's certainly not a uh, you know, not a top 20 player in this league. This is not I, I see people out there confused by the term super team. This is not a super team in the super team means it's like it's like, you know, think of the, the you know, Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. And Aquaman joining forces. Yes, I'm. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a. Uh, uh, I, I'm not a. I'm, I'm more of that side of the of the comic aisle than I am the Iron Man, Spider Man guy. So my brain goes there. Anyway, I I get it. I'm, most people like the Avengers. I'm, I'm not talking about the movies. I'm just talking about where I grew up as a kid. Anyway, Iron Man wasn't like really a thing when I was a kid, so I don't think about that. Though Iron Man was a good movie. <laughs> uh, in any event, it's about those super team leads. Those forces join together. In, in, in to to do a thing that wasn't the case here. They didn't join together. It was organically formed. They just they traded picks for Holiday, but teams make trades. That's how this works. It wasn't Kevin Durant joining the Warriors, who by the way the Warriors were not a super team when they won their first title and won seventy three games. They were just a damn good team organically put together by the organization that happened to have really good players. When Durant came, yes, then you could start making a case for a super team. When LeBron joined Bosch and Wade in Miami or joined Wade in Miami with Chris Bosh also going, that was effectively a super team. LeBron going back to Cleveland to join Kyrie, and then they trade for Kevin Love, felt more like that um, as well. LeBron and Anthony Davis, so on and so on. So, uh, larger point is, kudos to Milwaukee. Props to Giannis. He stayed in Milwaukee. He got it done. Uh, wildly impressive game. And it was it ended up being a really fun series. Definitely skeptical going into it, what, what we were going to get. The rate, the television ratings reflected others around the, the country felt the same, but it was a high level basketball down the stretch and Milwaukee made the plays, um, you know, and Giannis just incredible performance, uh, especially at the free throw line. What was he? 17 of 19 off the charts. Impressive. All right. Anyway, so that's it for this episode of the standard room only podcast. I guess next time you guys will hear from me, I'll be in Richmond one way or the other. Uh, we'll, we'll see what it goes. I mean, my general thought is, to keep the podcast going, you know, like I did during the season two to three podcast a week. Um, but you know, just give me time to get acclimated, get, 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 figure out how, how to go. Uh, you know, training camp will be, especially in Richmond will be a lot going on. Um, uh, so we'll see how it happens, but we'll, I, I have no doubt we'll figure out time for the podcast along the way. Um, all right, that's it. Ben Standick signing off until next time. See ya.